0: Climatization. That's your nothing personal word of the day. Climatization. It's a hard word to say. It means basically you take what's around you and you acclimate. That's another way of saying it's a game of adjustments. Why am I saying it? Because teams are doing anything they can to figure out how to make adjustments, given the reality of team sports. And there's a soccer team. They call it football. We call it soccer. Well, if you're listening not in the U.S., then you call it football, and in the U.S., we call it soccer. In any case, in Belarus, they decided that they were going to use cut-ins as fans, not a cut-in like, hey, we're cutting into your show. They were actually going to cut out a fan, then put in – they cut out of the fan in the stands with a picture of the face of the fan, which had been emailed in – with a virtual ticket purchased and a donation made to charity. You got that? That means that to have fans in the stands, they took cutouts and they pasted on the faces of fans who are willing in Belarus to buy a ticket and donate it to charity. And that's not even the best one. The best one is happening in Taiwan with the Rakuten. The, Ra, the Rakuten. The Rakuten. The the Rakuten Monkeys of the Taiwanese Baseball League. They are using actual robot mannequins as fans. Actual robots. I'm not sure how that works. Are the, robots progr- are the robots programmed to cheer only for the home team? Do they cheer for the best players? Do they know how to cheer when someone legs out a triple? What about an amazing play at the plate? I just don't know. I think it's fascinating. Does it make the players feel better? Do the robots have to wear masks? I got a lot of questions, but teams are trying. When you speak to athletes, they'll tell you, like LeBron did. When was that, 10 years ago when LeBron said he wouldn't consider playing not in front of fans? That certainly changed. Feels like 10 years ago. We told you here on Nothing Personal he was going to change his mind, and he did within like a day. But is it better to play in front of mannequins or robots or cut ins or cutouts? Is it a put out to hire people to come to the stadium to put all of the mannequins, robots, cutouts in the seats? Do you have to hire cleaning people to clean? I wonder, do mannequins and robots and cutouts make noise? Make a mess. Do you actually need security? Because I don't think there'll be any fights in the stand. But what if they're programmed incorrectly with the red hearts like an iRobot and they go crazy and they start fighting? Do you think that they could have – imagine this like in Philadelphia or in some places like a Man U Liverpool game where you've got the robots and they're going after each other. Oh, God, you want to talk about acclimatization? We've got ourselves some. Since we're talking about names that you think are difficult to pronounce, and I don't really think they are, I'm going right at it right now. Segment two, nothing personal. Carnivous. It's carnivous. It's not that hard. The GM of the Denver Nuggets. He's being hired by Jerry Reinsdorf to take over the basketball operations department of the Chicago Bulls. How is it possible that the Bulls were able to make a hire? in the middle of a stay-home quarantine pandemic. How could Jerry Reinsdorf spend nine hours with all the different GM candidates in a face-to-face interview? Yes, I know. Thank you, Coca. That was Theo Epstein who did the nine hours with Joe Girardi. I remember that. That was the point of this segment. R-T-N-R-N. Read the rundown. R-T-R-D notes. Now nah, I know he knew. Coca knows everything. We have the best time putting these shows together. We come up with some of the funniest things, except we're not taping. Of course, some things are funnier now than they were then, and I'll say to Coca, that's not that funny, and Coca has this idea, but I'll do it because he's good and smart, and it turns out to be really funny and interesting, and sometimes I have an idea that I think is fun and interesting. He thinks it's only mediocre. Then the show tape ends, and he says, by the way, Dave... That was mediocre. One day he'll be wrong. So this is interesting to me. In the old days, you had to interview managers, GMs in person. You had to meet them, spend time with them. There weren't too many managers I interviewed or I was a part of the interview process where I didn't know who the person was when the interview started. They were either former players I had met, former coaches I had met. So sometimes we hired our own general manager. So of course I had met him. So it's not too often that that happens. It's also not too often that you go into a search for a manager or GM when you don't know who it's going to be at the end of the day. Now, owners will always say the following. We did not know who we wanted. We went in with an open mind. We followed the Selig rule, the Rooney rule. We've talked about it, Nothing Personal. We have taken care of all hiring and interviewing minorities, obviously. But the truth is, as you've heard on Nothing Personal, we know who we want to hire. And we're going to follow the rules because we don't want to pay a fine and we don't want to be embarrassed by the commissioner. Jerry Reinsdorf is in a situation where he's got to get this hire right. After six titles in the 90s with the Chicago Bulls, Michael Jordan, he owns the Bulls. He owns the White Sox. He won a World Series in 2005. It has now been 15 years since he's won a title of any kind. He wants to win more. There's nothing better than winning six rings Just ask Tom Brady. You know what's better than winning six rings. Seven. You know what's better than winning one World Series. Two. I chased Amy around for basically the last 14 seasons of my career looking for that elusive second World Series title. Now, I know it's hard to win when you're trading players, but we had a bunch of good players. It's hard to win the World Series. With the Bulls, it's hard to win the NBA title. There are dynasties being built. There are big threes that are being put together. Teams get together. They gel. They win. Sometimes the best GMs are people you've never heard of. Sometimes the best GMs are people who just don't listen to their owners. Sometimes the best GMs are those who only listen to their owners because they want extensions. Well, the Denver Nuggets are a team that have been put together. They've done very well. They've done well in the draft. They've done internationally. They've put a good team together absent any rings. But you want to talk about someone with pedigree, bringing in a GM, you know Reinsdorf knew him. That's why the interview that took place via Skype or Zoom or whatever they did electronically is sufficient. My first blush at this topic, my first view was it's not enough. You've, if you're going to hire your head of ba- basketball operations, you better meet him or her. Even if you know who you're hiring, get in a room, look in his or her eyes, make sure they're on the same page. Talk money, talk years, talk plan. It's hard to do all those things remotely. Now, the world has changed. Much more is being done remotely, no question. But one of the concepts that we mentioned on Nothing Personal that I love continuing to talk about is the need when we return to normalcy of having some sort of human contact where you can read How else can you imagine playing online virtual poker? How exactly does that work? The most important part of poker is looking at the table, looking at the people at the table, looking at their body language, looking at their eyes, looking at their fidgets, finding their tell, putting them in a situation that makes them uncomfortable and seeing how they react. You can't do that as much when you're doing something remotely. But in this case, the Bulls with only a fraction of the regular season still left to play Jared Reinstorf just today promised, along with all the other 32 NBA teams, that all players will be paid in full. Their paychecks are coming this week, April 15th. Actually, I don't even know what date it is. Whenever April 15th is, I used to associate that with tax day. I don't even think it's tax day anymore because I think they changed that, although I could be wrong. If you're on extension, it used to be October 15th. I don't know if that's changed. But in any case, paychecks come April 15th. NBA players are going to get paid. There was a deal negotiated today. Of course, there will be a percentage of money withheld. That's a percentage that would be taken away from the players if any games are canceled. So while the Bulls have no chance at being one of 16, they definitely have a chance of being one of 32. Let's pretend that the season comes back, no regular season games, right to a 32-team tournament, single elimination. We're going to crown an NCAA winner this year. I mean, uh, an NBA winner this year. Nah, I was kidding. That's not going to happen. But you do want to get your GM as soon as possible because if you're going to have a head of basketball operations, they're calling him that. Because the Bulls, funny enough, still have a GM. His name is Gar Foreman. And do you know what Gar is doing right now at home? He is visualizing what his office looks like and how many boxes will be required to empty it. From experience, I'm going to say about 12. It's not my number. It's not my word of the day. It's not even my wait to see. I don't think that Gar Foreman will stay on as GM. It doesn't make sense. When you're the president of ESCO operations, you've got to have the right to bring in your own guy as your GM. Karnishevist is going to have that right. It's not a terrible move what the Bulls did. It's not terrible at all. You know, I thought that the NBA playing horse wouldn't be the perfect idea. I actually thought that, and I, I was trying to imagine – so here's the backstory: The NBA wants to do – starting Thursday, they're going to get a bunch of people together. I think it's 10 people. They're getting them together to play horse, and it's going to be an event on TV. And current players like – is he current? Like Chauncey Billups. I know that Trey Young is quite current. Paul Pierce I know is not current. So they're going to go through a whole sort – it's – I said – I'm sure I got the name wrong. It's Chauncey. Chauncey? Chauncey? Coca, just if you tell me what it is, I'm going to say it right. If you say to say Chauncey, then I'll say it. If you say to say Chauncey, I'll say it. But why can't I just call him Billups? Does it really matter to you that much? Do you have to be in my ear? Can't you just smile and say, that's my guy after 111 episodes? Three totally failed rehearsals, seven bonus pods, and you're still yelling at me about pronunciations? I know. I don't like being wrong. So the NBA is having this game of horse. Now, let's talk about what horse is. Have you ever played horse? Who hasn't played horse? That's when you take a shot. Then if you make it, the other person who comes after you has to take the exact same shot. And if they don't make it, then they've got H. The first one who gets H-O-R-S-E loses. H-O-R-S-E loses. So the goal is to never miss a shot that someone else makes. How's that going to work? Well, there can't be dunking because Paul Pierce is playing. And Paul Pierce, I love you, Paul. You're watching. I know you are. We've had some fun together. But you know very well that you're not dunking anymore. But what you could do is you could beat all these young guys because I bet you practice playing when you're sitting in your chair. I bet you could go right-hand, left-hand. You could do all sorts of things, all sorts of trick shots. But how is the horse going to exactly work? Are they going to get sponsorships? So TV revenue, corporate sponsorships, there's all sorts of commercials. I hope you've been watching. Everyone's got new commercials that are filming on being nice and being alone together and being nice to people at the grocery store and thanking, which we don't do enough all of the first responders, all of the people who are delivering food, part of the supply chain, people working in grocery stores, your delivery man or woman, the people taking you your takeout food, the people getting you your food that you're getting at the grocery store, the people in hospitals. The list goes on. Not everyone has the honor and the privilege and the ease of staying home and staying quarantined. They're literally putting their lives lives at risk. So I think you're gonna get sponsors because people are craving literally craving live content but how's it going to work so everyone's saying that in horse they're all going to be separated obviously because there's social distancing and quarantining so all you need is sort of a cameraman and it's an outdoor court indoor court what happens if some of the people playing don't have the size court of a regulation court how's trey young going to take half court shots which he's so good at making if not everybody has the ability to take a half court shot What if it looks like a half-court shot, but the dimensions are actually different? You know what? I agree with you. I agree. Who cares? Just show me some athletes doing something other than eating, TikToking, and doing the change of dress thing that A-Rod and J-Lo did and Jason Taylor and his fiancee did yesterday. I get the sort of TikTok where you're wearing your clothes. Then it was someone wearing their clothes, and I'm, I'm not being gender neutral on purpose after yesterday's show. I'm just being grammatically incorrect. So you've got people switching clothes in the middle. It's fine. Show me some horse. I got some predictions about that. It's going to be interesting to me. My prediction is this. The winning shot, the hardest thing in horse for me when I used to play all the time, people who've got hands which are big enough to hold the ball in each hand and have the ability to shoot shoot. Two shots simultaneously, which both go in. Lefty, righty, from the dotted line in front of the free throw line. Lefty, righty, simultaneous, both go in. That's the winning horse shot, or at least that's going to get you a letter. I love that basketball is back with a little horse. It's going to be fun. I think we got the quarterfinals Thursday. Wait, isn't that today? I actually have no idea what today is. I think the quarterfinals are on a Thursday, which could be today. Or it starts only on Sunday, and they'll do the semifinals and the finals on Sunday. Or maybe they'll do the quarterfinals and the semis a different day. There's really no way to know exactly what the plan is because in order to know it, you'd have to be reading something that's prepared. And there's no way to read something that's prepared about horse because it simply just happened. So trust me. It's something. We'll let you know. I think it starts Sunday. Wow, I got a great quote for you. This is actually a funny one. It makes sense to me. Dave Roberts is the manager of the Los Angeles Dodgers. The Los Angeles Dodgers are a team that is being hurt the most by this baseball shutdown. The Dodgers traded for Mookie Betts, as you may recall, this offseason from the Red Sox. They signed him to a one-year deal, settling what could have been an arbitration case for $27 million. Mookie Betts... Is a one-year player for the Dodgers, then becomes a free agent. No matter how many games are played this year, he will be a free agent when the last game of the World Series is played. If there's no World Series, he's still going to become a free agent under the agreement between MLB and the Players Association. So people are interviewing. See, there's a lot of content. Like on CBS Sports HQ, people are watching because they're home and they want to watch sports and they want to know what's going on. People on podcasts, if you're listening to this on Apple, I appreciate it. Some people, they say that podcast listening is down. Do you find yourself listening to fewer podcasts because you don't have the commute time, let's say? You don't have the time outside when you've got the headphones in. Well, I'm happy to say it, nothing personal. I'm not seeing that. Maybe we're being interesting and funny to you. Maybe Coke is wrong and we're actually entertaining and teaching and educating. <clears throat> I appreciate that you download, Subscribe. But don't forget, please tell a friend just because we're doing well doesn't mean I don't want to do better because the better we do, the more I'm guaranteed to have coke in my life. I got to get me more coca. Tell a friend. So, Dave Roberts, excuse me while I do this. Watch this. It's going to get super quiet because I have a button I can press on my trusty system. Watch this. I bet you didn't hear that. But if you're watching this on YouTube, I bet you could have seen that. Although I don't know if you can see noise. I don't know. I'm going to ask a physicist that if I have time. So Mookie Betts is a Dodger. He gets traded. He goes to spring training, puts on the uniform, meets the media. Everyone's all excited. They play a bunch of spring training games. He plays a couple of them. He gets a few at-bats. He's in the clubhouse doing some drills. Then he leaves early. He's there for, let's say he reported – end of mid-February, February 18th, let's just say. And let's say baseball shut down March 18th, let's just say. Those dates are absolutely wrong. But frankly, you don't need to know the exact dates to understand the point of my story. He's barely been a Dodger. But during this time where we're all trying to fill content, not me, but other people, Dave Roberts, other managers, a lot of people are being interviewed because we're trying to get them to say something that's interesting. I don't have guests or callers on the show because I'm going right at you for 45 straight. But there's many shows where you got to bring guys on. And I have such – I have absolutely such a feeling of respect for people who are filling time for, for me to be entertained and for you. So Dave Roberts gets interviewed. And in the interview, he's asked about Mookie Betts. And here's what he said. Coca, let's go to the sound on tape. It's called a SOT on the rundown. Let's go to the SOT. Coca. Coca. Do you have it? H- Hello. Nothing. No sound on tape. I'm getting this, and I'm giving it to you live as this is happening. There's no sound on tape because of the way in which we are pr- continuing to provide content to the audience Do you mean audience? To the uh, listeners? So you're going to have to explain exactly what happened during this interview by yourself. Okay. All right. Whatever. I'm happy to do it. I don't like whatever as an expression or even as a transitionary word. I'd rather be quiet, but it's better than um or like. And really, it wasn't used as a transition. It was just a comment like whatever. Did you get that? Did you hear that little like prior to the whatever? Purposeful. Mookie Betts, Dave Roberts said, is happy To be a Dodger. Breaking news at 11. I don't get it. Do you find that to be interesting content? If you're a Dodger fan and you're watching this from Los Angeles, are you thinking that that means you have a better chance of re-signing him because he likes L.A. and likes being a Dodger? Or that he felt at home in the clubhouse so much at home that he gave a speech that was then sort of criticized by one of his teammates, Joe Kelly? Do you think that Mookie Betts wouldn't sign a long-term deal in Boston because the offer wasn't high enough, but now that he's been in Boston for about a day and a half, he's ready to sign a long-term deal without testing free agency? Do you think Mookie Betts was kidding around when he said he can't wait for free agency? Oh, I know what you're saying. Revenues are way down. Who knows what players are going to get? Maybe he's going to have to settle for a smaller deal. Well, that proves even more that what his plan is, is to shop himself 30 ways. Now, before you say anything, and I can hear it coming at David P. Sampson on Twitter. I can hear it getting into my DMs. Do you not read Forbes magazine? Do you not see the valuations of these teams? The Dodgers are worth $3.4 billion. How could you not sign Mookie Betts? The Red Sox, they increased their value by three, whatever percent, to $3.3 billion. So if the Red Sox sold today, they would get $3.3 billion. Do you know what we did as team presidents with the Forbes valuations? We would give them to our local grocery store, and we would let them be used on the paper shelf to replace the goods that have been hoarded by everyone during the pandemic. Yes, you may need a little A&D ointment when you're done, but those valuations that are written in that magazine or put online can be used to make yourself slightly cleaner than you would have been had you used sandpaper. Why do I say it? Because I know exactly what baseball teams are worth, what somebody's willing to pay. They've got the Marlins at $980 million, 30th out of 30, the only team below a billion. That's not what they're worth. They're worth $1.2 billion. That's what they sold for. The Kansas City Royals are worth $1.025 billion? No, they're worth a billion. That's what they were sold for. But what these numbers also don't mean That these teams have cash ready to sign players to take on payrolls higher than they can afford on an annual basis and to have payrolls high enough that they will have to pay a luxury tax or butt up against the competitive balance tax threshold. So when you read a valuation or you read how rich certain owners are or how much teams are worth, please don't fall into the trap of thinking that means they can automatically pay players anything. Is Mookie Betts happy as a Dodger? Who cares? I don't know if you know this, but there once was a boy named Pierre who always would say, I don't care. Read his story, my friend, for you'll find at the end that a suitable moral lies there. I miss you, Maurice Sendak.
1: Support your journey to wellness at B-I-O-P-T-I-M-I-Z-E-R-S dot com forward slash balance. Magnesium Breakthrough from Bioptimizers, your foundation to optimal health and vitality.
0: So you want to talk to Samson. This was an interesting one given where we are, and that's why I chose it. So you want to talk to Samson, half-baked? People want to talk to Samson. I'm Samson. Follow me at Twitter, David P. Samson. Tell people, because I try to answer DMs and it's sort of fun. Someone asked, do you watch old Marlins games during quarantine from when you were president? It never even occurred to me that someone would ask that question. And then I realized that some of our old playoff games from 2003 were on the air yesterday. And what interested me about that was – I wasn't watching. Instead, what I was doing was reliving. So a question is this. Do I watch old Marlins games during quarantine? No, I don't. Do I watch any old games that have already been played? No, I don't. What I do is when I'm noticing that they're going to replay a game that interests me. Let's say the Super Bowl from January of 1987 is going to be replayed. I'm not going to watch it. But I'm going to think about Phil Sims going 22 of 25. When I see that Whitney Houston's going to sing the national anthem, am I going to rewatch the Super Bowl between the Bills and the Giants? No. But I may go to my music and I may put on One Moment in Time, great Whitney Houston song. I may look for the video you want to know. I may think about Otis Anderson. And putting his arm, if you're not watching this, you can't see what I'm doing. If you are, what you, I, you, you're seeing what I'm doing. He did this uppercut in order to try to gain more yards. I'll think about Mark Bavaro. I'll think about Jeff Hostetler. I'll think about Scott Norwood. When the Knicks are being shown, I'll just cry. But when old Marlins games are happening, I just smile. I look at the World Series ring. I look at the World Series trophy. And I go back and I think about one moment from a game that's being played. So when game three is being shown of the division series against the Giants where Pudge hits a two-run walk-off single in the bottom of the 11th, I think about what it was like in the clubhouse after that game, what it was like knowing that I had to pack because either we were going to win the series in four and travel to play the Cubs. We didn't know it was going to be the Cubs at that time, but we were going to have to travel because we weren't going to have home field advantage. Or I had to pack to go to San Francisco, but either way there would be packing. So I think of moments. The reason why I don't want to relive games that I was a part of emotionally or intellectually or as a team president or as a fan is that I don't want to change anything about the way I felt at the moment I felt it. And if I watch it again, I wonder whether I'll be thinking of a different result or thinking about what I could have done differently at that particular game when I was watching or as president of a team or as a fan of a team. Where was I? Did I have fun at that moment? What was going on in my life otherwise outside of those games? I'd rather keep it to a memory that is in my head. So you want to talk to Samson? I don't watch old Marlins games, but I certainly do look at rings. God, that was fun a lot of fun. Let's do it again, except as a fan. So I did it, folks. I'm trying to take advantage of quarantine. Is anyone else doing this? I am trying not to repeat movies that I've seen. I'm trying not to rewatch shows that I've previously watched or binged. Occasionally, I will give myself a moment, like I'm starting to rewatch West Wing So I'll give myself maybe an hour to watch one episode or 40 minutes, whatever it takes. God, that's a great series. But I'm trying to take the opportunity now to watch some things that I've never seen that people look at me strangely and say, you find yourself to be a cinephile? You watch a movie a day and you've never seen Citizen Kane? Yeah, I've never seen Citizen Kane until yesterday. I finally watched it. The 1941 movie starring, directed by, produced by, co-written by Orson Welles when he was young. Orson Welles, I had no idea. To me, Orson Welles is sort of the portly guy with the big beard, like my beard is going to look like eventually. Sort of gray, sort of not. More salt than pepper. That was Orson Welles. I had known he had been in this movie called Citizen Kane. I had known that it had been nominated for all sorts of Oscars and actually won Best Screenplay Oscar. I had known that it was just one of those movies that you've got to see, but I'd never done it. It's an hour and 59 minutes of black and white brilliance. I couldn't believe it. It's the story about – I had no idea what it was about. You don't either need to know, but I'm going to tell you. It's about a boy – not starring Hugh Grant, this boy is basically going to be an heir. He's going to be rich. He's going to be one of the pre-industrialist richest people. And he ends up owning a newspaper, running a newspaper. And this is the story of his life. It's a story about money. It's the story about ego. It's the story about passion. It's the story about insanity. It is a fascinating story that is filmed in the most interesting way. Orson Welles had to make a movie. There weren't special effects teams. The entire credit portion of the movie is 45 seconds. The Avengers credits take 12 minutes. But Orson Welles found a way to direct, produce, write, and star in this movie. The relationship between Orson Welles and his second wife, the relationship between Orson Welles and the people with whom he works, the relationship between Orson Welles, who plays Charles Kane, that's what Citizen Kane is. Kane is his name. I didn't even know that. If you have an hour and 59 minutes, do it. Watch it. It's totally worth it. But then don't do what I did. I made one tiny, teeny, tiny mistake. I went online and I wanted to read about all the actors in it because there's a little boy who appears in the beginning as a young Charles Kane, and I thought there may be a chance that he'd be alive because that was done seventy nine years ago. Let's say he were ten; he had been ten years old when he filmed the movie. Eighty nine. There's a chance. There's not one person alive from when this movie was made, but the coolest thing ever is several of the stars of Citizen Kane, I kid you not, were born in the 1880s. They were old, not too old, but relatively old in their 60s. That's not old at all. What am I talking about? That's like in the fifth inning of life. So they were in their 60s. Film is filmed in 1941. That means they were born in the 1880s. It's insanity. There's someone born like 20 years after Lincoln got assassinated. Citizen Kane, it's worth it. I'm gonna try to review a bunch of movies that I need to have seen that I haven't. I thought I'd be put off by black and white movies, but I'm really not at all. I told you, you know I'm not put off by any sort of subtitles. Citizen Kane, check it out. You know, I love getting calls from players when I was president of a team hey, uh, where's my money? And I'd say, well, what do you mean? Well, where's my paycheck? Well, what are you talking about? It comes every two weeks. It's direct deposit. Oh, okay. Um, what about the extra $3 million you said you'd pay me? Uh, what do you mean? Well, no, I'm owed $3 million. When am I getting that? And I would say, why don't you RYC? Just read your contract. News came out today that Todd Gurley and Clay Matthews are complaining on Twitter, complaining on Twitter that the law, I was going to say the St. Louis, that the Los Angeles Rams are, did not pay them the money owed to them. And we're talking about millions of dollars. We're talking about Todd Gurley Remember Todd Gurley signed that huge, I think it was like a 40-year, $60 million deal, that huge deal that after two years, the Rams had to release him in order to save some money and spread out some of the cap hit they're going to take, because now they're paying their quarterback, Goff, an ungodly sum, and frankly, they're not nearly as good. They had lightning in a bottle, and they tried to capture that lightning, enlarge the bottle, and make it last over a number of years. Remember, they had the young coach, the hero, how quickly things change. So Todd Gurley was released. He then is being picked up by the Atlanta Falcons. I don't know if it's official because you can't get physicals because the league has frozen physicals as well they should have. So a payment was due by Todd Gurley and he goes to Twitter and he says, hey, L.A. Rams, where's my money? And then Clay Matthews, whose hair I used to love, sort of a Green Bay Packer. Do you remember him? Yeah. Great guy. I thought so, too. He goes online and says, yeah, they owe me money too. Well, these are two released players. Explain to me how an agent for these players does not call them and say, listen, you're going to be released by the Los Angeles Rams. Here's your new payment plan. You will be getting the following amount on the following day, period. When I was president of a team, I kept a list. You're damn right I did. I had a list of every player who was getting paid every amount and when those payments were due. If we had to release a player, I knew exactly when that player was getting paid. If we paid a signing bonus to the player, we kept track of the date that that player had to get paid. It's called cash flow. Cash flow is the thing that you have to do when you run a company and you have to ask other people for money, like the owner, in order to put money into the team so you can then pay it out to the players and the employees. Yeah, cash flow. You think for one minute that a business owned by the cranky fan, cranky, I just said cranky. I don't think that's how it's pronounced. Cronky? Anyway, they own everything. Not just the Los Angeles Rams. I think they own Arsenal too. Coca's checking this right now. He's in a total panic. He's trying to figure out how many minutes we have left. He's then trying to figure out whether or not how he can look up how quickly who else owns and how much of ownership does Rams I think it's the Colorado Avalanche. I think it's the Arsenal team. The point is this guy's not missing paychecks. There's no liquidity issue. Let's say he's worth 10 billion according to Forbes. <laughs> That's a joke. You know, if you haven't listened to anything beforehand in this show, then you'll very well know that I actually mentioned Forbes earlier. Anyway, yeah, he owns the Denver Nuggets, the Rams, the Rapids, the Avalanche, the Los Angeles Gladiators, this has been a cut and paste job on my thing right here. Chairman and CEO of, you didn't tell me how to pronounce it though. Is it cranky? I got Arsenal right. In any case, Todd Gurley and Clay Matthews, here's a little secret for you. They didn't miss you. They don't owe you the money. And when they do owe it to you, you're going to get it on the exact last second of the last day that it's owed to you. Do you think for a minute they want to be in violation of your contract? Do you think for one minute they want to bother with you guys anymore? They were so happy to be done with you. I know what it's like when you owe money to players who are not on your team anymore. Trust me, I do know that. And I know that I don't want to think about those things, but I know I have to. And I know that I want to make sure I have to think about them as little as possible. And the way to do it as little as possible, don't miss deadlines. The Rams didn't miss any deadlines. And, Gurley, call your agent. Don't go on Twitter. And, Clay Matthews, don't retweet that crap. Call your agent. Find out when you're going to get paid. You think that's a really good look for you and your new team? You think Arthur Blank, the owner of your new team, the Falcons, wants to see you calling out another team? No. How many minutes do I have left? i got to talk about the beer challenge. ML Beer Challenge. By the way, that was a non-so-subtle call-out because what's happening now that we're doing this, the home studio, is that we have a way of communicating that's slightly different. There's a little bit in the ear. There's a little bit on the iPad. And I can't remember. I thought that right now we're currently in minute 37 of the show. So that would mean that I'd have around eight minutes to go. And I've got a few more things I want to cover. And i got to make sure I get to the beard challenge. But sometimes Coca just goes silent. It's like he gets distracted trying to find out what Stan owns. So the beard challenge, this is day 25. I did an interview on CBS Sports HQ today with uh, Rip Hamilton. Rip Hamilton is growing a beard as well. Rip Hamilton, we were talking about the NBA horse competition, and uh, he's growing a beard. He's got zero gray under his chin. I accused him of something, and I want to publicly apologize I'll admit it when I'm wrong. I was positive that you were using black Sharpie not just to sign autographs and sell them, but that you were coloring in your chin. You had to have been. How would you have zero gray hair on your chin and a full beard? And I'm sitting here looking like Saint Nick. Can I make a Christmas joke on Passover? Of course I can. I'm an all-inclusive guy eating gefilte fish. know what gefilte fish is folks it's amazing it's a it's a fish and it's it's called gefilte fish now the way they swim gefilte fish is very bizarre they swim in cans strange you can't catch them with a worm it has to be an opener but you add a little horseradish and i gotta tell you it's delish so the beer challenge is day 25. We're giving away $1,000 to every team. Today is the day for the Seattle Mariners. Yeah, we're going A through W. Seattle Mariners are a team based in Seattle. Does that help you? Is that a value added today on Nothing Personal? Seattle Mariners are a team. They've been around since the 19, I don't know, 60s, 70s. No World Series. Had one of the greatest players of all time. They had a team that you would not believe back in the day. Alex Rodriguez used to be a Mariner. Randy Johnson, Ken Griffey, Jay Buhner, Ichiro, And they just never were able to win a World Series. My favorite story about the Mariners is that they're in a position now when they have hired a general manager and they're making a bunch of trades And they found a way to take complete advantage of the New York Mets and Brody Van Wagenen. Brody Van Wagenen is the GM of the Mets and he's the one who's the former agent. And I've questioned on CBS Sports HQ and certainly on nothing personal. How is it that Brody Van Wagenen traded with the Mariners for Robinson Cano and Edwin Diaz and gave away top prospects who are going to be a huge part of the Mariners team for the next five to 10 years? And what Jerry DePoto did, it was brilliant. He took complete advantage of a newbie and knew that newbie needed to make a huge splash and found a way to get rid of the Robinson Cano contract, which was that 10-year contract. Remember when Robinson Cano left the Yankees Remember when he signed with Seattle and all of a sudden, how could he go to Seattle? Why would you want to go to an outpost in the Pacific time zone? By the way, Seattle's gorgeous. Why would you want to be so far away from the East Coast? Why would you want to be away from the Yankees, the most successful franchise ever? And I said to you, because it's money, obviously, he got the biggest deal ever, which has been one of the worst contracts ever signed, certainly in the top 10. And he found a way to move it. Seattle Mariners are building their team. They're trying. I got a chance to see them over in Asia, Tokyo. They opened the season last year. And I want to tell a quick story about what happened in Asia, in Tokyo, which was Ichiro's final game. D. Gordon is on that team. He's a a guy who was with us. I've told stories about him, and D. Gordon was uh, moved to Seattle and is in playing for the Mariners. D. Gordon was there, and there were a bunch of people from MLB, a bunch of VIP guests. It was an amazing experience to be there with Seattle, with the Mariners, for each Rose final regular season game. It was last March, a year ago, maybe a year ago, just over a year ago now. And uh, what I noticed was something fascinating. And I'd seen it happen with the Marlins only one time, and it was with the same guy, and I should have known. Seattle players wanted pictures with Ichiro. They wanted to record the moment of his final game. They were being fans and they were allowed to be fans even though it was a game that counted. The experience I had with that is after Ichiro's 3,000th game. When we did a 3,000th hit in Colorado, we had a celebration in the clubhouse and players were taking turns, taking pictures, getting autographs. And Ichiro was so great about signing all of them But not often do you have a chance as a teammate to play with someone who you know, be in the same clubhouse as someone who is such a star. And Seattle let it happen during the course of a game, during a regular season game. They gave the players time to give a full appreciation. And during the off-field events, when players could have been resting or getting acclimated to the time zone, the Mariners' front office knew enough. They knew enough to let people properly honor Ichiro especially players. Of course, you remember the Mariners, I think, split those games. They may have won both, actually. It actually didn't end up mattering, which shows you that the first few games of a season, if you play 162, really don't matter. In any case. Okay, wait to see. So wait to see is when we come up with something every single day. We keep track. I actually have an entire spreadsheet of every single wait to see I've done. And I give you a wait to see that I think is going to happen or I think is not going to happen. And then I guarantee you there's going to be accountability because I'm going to review. So for example, if there's a draft, you may not remember. You may have to go way back to one of the early episodes, but I can tell you that I had Tua Taglia Viola, Tua Taglia, Tua being a not being a top five pick. I did that as a wait to see so long ago eventually the draft is going to happen. If you believe it's happening two weeks from today, I think it's happening on the 23rd, which is exactly two weeks from today. Then you very well know that we're going to know. Was he, was he not? I'll tell you. So my way to see today is about Trey Young. Trey Young is a guy I talked about at the beginning of the show. He is that player for the uh, Atlanta Hawks, that amazing young man. I think he's, I think he's a rookie. Is Trey Young the one who's guaranteed to win Rookie of the Year over Zion Williamson? I just can't remember. He may be the second-year guy, and it's John Morant who's definitely going to win Rookie of the Year over Zion Williamson. So Trey Young, the second-year guy, he's the one who has all these shots that you can't believe, and I told you during the first segment that there was an opportunity for him to take half-court shots and just to do things that are hard to do on a basketball court. But on horse court, they're impossible to replicate. Trey Young will win the horse competition. That is my way to see. And what I love about it is that all of the other people participating who are taking the time to give us entertainment, Trey Young is going to go along. And the only one who's going to be upset if he loses is Paul Pierce. He's super competitive, doesn't like being made fun of, a little sensitive. He's going to want to win. Trey Young is going to sink the final shot. Paul Pierce will hold on to his chair. He'll stand up. He'll grab the microphone because it's remote and we're social distancing. He'll say, hey, Trey, thanks a lot, man. But that seemed super personal, and I didn't get paid for this. So where's the business?